welcome to this week's episode of the Movie Babble Podcast. This week you've got myself and Brennan, and we're talking about some of the nothingness going on at the box office. Um, there's actually been some activity, in, especially with South by Southwest and just some of Netflix's new releases. There's been some new stuff, but overall it's it's pretty empty. But uh, AMC continues to be a hot topic, and there have been talks between AMC and Amazon leading a lot of people to believe there's going to be some kind of a merger there, which would, I think, be interesting. And considering that AMC was doubtful it could um, coast through the summer off of its current finances, I don't think that's like beyond the question at this point, honestly. Yeah, no, this is a story that has kind of just arisen over the last couple hours uh, today. And it's pretty interesting, actually, to think about uh, AMC stocks absolutely skyrocketed uh, today, 56% increase. And that main reason, as you said, there is talks with uh, uh, Amazon maybe becoming a partner with AMC. Uh, they've had meetings and they've held talks, and that's why you were seeing the stock spike. I wonder how that would work. I mean, I think that would be uh, pretty good for some of their Amazon originals. I think we spoke about this before we got on the air, but um, it'd be a great outlet for them to throw that in there. And who knows, maybe Amazon, I mean, they've got the money. They're they're in a great spot financially. So maybe um, they would take a risk on AMC here. And uh, this is something that we will definitely have to keep uh, an eye on in the coming weeks. Yeah, I think Amazon could actually benefit quite a bit because they've been they've been pretty aggressive with all of their movies and you know they've they've typically had a couple contenders coming out in theaters um you know these past few years and i think if they were to have a partnership with amc it would let them kind of make their movies a little bit more of a dominant force and new stuff that's coming out um and then obviously amc just kind of needs money and a little bit more support to just stay present Oh, yeah. No, you're right. 100%. I think um, AMC needs the help here. And we we knew that from the last couple of weeks, just by hearing some of the stories and some of the reports and everything with uh, Trolls World Tour and Universal. <laughs> um, but uh, this is something that is, is, is definitely a developing story, something that we're, we're just kind of learning about the uh, origins today of this sort of talk between them and Amazon. But it will be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, so hopefully we'll know a little bit more about that. And just based on the fact that the merger talks are somewhat in the open and people know they're going on to some degree and that the stock prices are rising, I'm sure we'll get more official word on it here in the next couple of days. But speaking of Amazon, they've uh, been hosting the South by Southwest Film Festival on their platform since obviously that was not able to be held like it normally would uh, just due to coronavirus concerns. And uh, I believe Nick talked about it last week, but I checked out the movie uh, TFW No GF. Had you uh, heard of that one? 100%. I mean, I, I don't know too much about it, but uh, I laugh whenever I see the title and I laugh whenever I see the uh, cover art. Yeah, it's uh, so it's I, Nick talked a little bit about just kind of what it means, but it's uh, it's basically a movie about incel culture. And just like the uh, the 4chan community and just like a lot of the the fringe internet people that that post kind of borderline stuff, <laughs> it's like just kind of the oddballs of the internet is basically what it's about. And it's uh, it feels very much like it almost condones this kind of behavior. Um, it, it never really questions anything. It just kind of presents it. It's like here are these people. This is 
this is what they are and what they do and it doesn't really force them to question anything like you get kind of happy endings for <laughs> quite a few of them at the end um it just it's just such an odd thing to watch for an hour and a half as you're just like watching these people explain kind of the crazy stuff they do like posting pictures about going to go see joker with their assault rifles um with almost no consequences at it and they kind of get rewarded for it at the end and you just wonder like what was the point of this movie um but you can't look away either yeah that sounds interesting i mean just speaking of south by southwest um i I, it would be great if that was kind of opened up to the international market because being in canada on the amazon prime that's not a part of our uh prime membership so it'd be great if if that would be opened up to just not the united states but uh it's great that they're doing that in the first place like partnering there for that uh kind of a virtual festival but uh yeah this is a movie that i, I don't know if i'll watch it but it sounds rather uh interesting just the way you put it and um it, it's odd but uh did you i mean did you find some enjoyment in it i mean yeah it's just <laughs> you like it's i think it once the novelty wears off after about the first like 15 or 20 minutes is it's a little more dull and you're like okay fortunately it's only an hour and 23 minutes long so you don't have to sit through too much of it but once kind of the novelty of just like how weird people on the internet can be wears off um it's just like kind of there for the rest of the rest of the duration yeah i know that's i mean tfw no gf it's just a title that kind of grabs your attention <laughs> um kind of besides that though another another newer release kind of straying away from the uh, south by southwest though was uh becoming which is the uh, michelle obama documentary i remember last year uh the book came out uh with the same name and it was her um i was mixed up autobiography i guess it would be or biography i, I don't know <laughs> um what's the one when uh, it, it's you writing about yourself it's autobiography. Auto, yes. I, th- I knew it. That, my first guess was correct. But uh, this is kind of a film based off that, actually. And I, I haven't got a chance to check it out yet, but it is on my list. And I did just want to talk about it because I think it's a further um, a further step for the Obama uh, production company because this was put out by Higher Ground Productions, which is uh, the Obama's uh, uh, film uh, studio and they've had a few documentaries come out already we remember last year with american factory and then uh this earlier this year with crip camp did you get a chance to see crip camp at um uh sundance no it was one of the ones that i got in line just a little bit too late and was cut off um i can't remember what i saw as replacement for it but it was one of the buzzier movies coming out of the festival yeah no for sure i i, I heard some great things about that and nick has praised that uh, big time um, but uh, Becoming is now, I guess it would be the third movie from them, from their uh, studio, and it is just kind of focusing on her life and her time as First Lady. So that's something that has been quite buzzy, and it's, I don't know where it is in the top ten in the States, but it's its trending very high right now in uh, Canada. And yeah, that's kind of another one of our newer releases this week, and it's kind of just another another step forward for the Obamas in terms of uh, film. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll see them kind of expand a little bit more um, just because they have had pretty solid success so far and especially when you've got Netflix <laughs> paying most of your bills you can you can manage quite a bit definitely I wonder if they'll I, I don't know if they've talked about it yet but do you think they're gonna um, delve into uh, non-documentary features and, and just feature films um, I wouldn't be surprised I think documentary is kind of a safe place for them to start just because a like 
when when you're talking about you know the Obamas and and putting their lives on screen, I think that's an easy way for them to go because obviously they were there, they know what to document, and um, the creative teams they build have direct access to the people they're trying to document. But I think also it comes down to the fact that documentaries are a lot cheaper, and so when you have a successful documentary, um, you make a lot more money from it. Just comparatively to where if you were going into an actual full fictional production um it'd be more expensive but i think it's definitely a step down the road for them yeah definitely i i agree with that um but other than that netflix is just being netflix still has kind of a an odd top 10 this week um which we'll run through a little bit um i'm not as familiar with all the movies on netflix's top 10 but there is one that uh i can't wait to talk about um but netflix's top 10 this week at number one was john henry uh number two was sleepless followed by becoming uh which brennan just talked about at number three extraction still in their top 10 at number four den of thieves at number five house at the end of the street at number six and that's followed by the willoughby's still in there at number seven dangerous lies at number eight despicable me still holding pretty strong at number nine and my personal favorite at number 10, Arctic Dogs. Um, <laughs> so I'm not very familiar with most of these movies. I didn't even know there was a Terry Crews, John Henry movie. Um, and like it, it looks vaguely familiar watching the little preview of it, but I had almost no memory of that existing. So yeah, it's kind of an odd top 10, as you said. And John Henry, I think that, yeah, that's a 2020 film. It came out in January. Kind of an interesting cast there. Uh, Ludacris is in it. Terry Crews, as you said. Um, but yeah, the, the top 10's odd. And, but the, the one we have to talk about is Arctic Dogs. I think that's that's the most important one of the top 10 right now. <laughs> I think Arctic Dogs is a movie that everyone's familiar with. Um, it's just a, It's just a classic. I mean, you just look at the poster. And you just see this tremendous Norm of the North style animation. Um, And then this trailer was like all over the place last year. And it was just, I remember very little of it because it feels like a very basic movie. But the tag at the end of the trailer is this classic, almost Shakespearean line of a gas explosion. And the Arctic Fox uh, main character played by Jeremy Renner says, it looks like the planet made a poopy. And it just, I've been brought to tears very few times in movie theaters. And that one just, that line just got me every time. Oh, goodness. I mean, I think what we do have to note about this movie, despite being a critical a flop, I, we have to acknowledge that it is a um, misunderstood uh, masterpiece that will probably be recognized uh, years years from now as as one of the more defining uh, films of uh, the last decade well i mean even talking about norma the north like that movie came out in 2016 and made just 30 million dollars um but has spawned multiple sequels because of its success just streaming and with stuff like on netflix <laughs> um so i'm not saying there couldn't be an arctic dogs too um maybe that's in the future somewhere I think one of the quick differences we do have to point out is we have we have a budget on Norm of the North of eighteen million dollars versus uh, Arctic Dogs, which sat at fifty million and it barely cracked nine million at the box office. So it's it, it was it was sad, and it's also by our favorite uh, studio, the uh, Entertainment Studios Motion Pictures. Um, Nick 
finds that studio a little suspicious just with that name. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, no hard feelings. I think we're going to continue to praise Arctic Dogs and all its uh, failures for years to come. Yeah, and uh, Brennan and I were talking about our favorite entertainment studios, <laughs> motion pictures, uh, before we hopped on and, and started recording. And what I found really interesting is that their, their self-proclaimed philosophy is that they're chasing studio crumbs. So they're not they're not aiming very big. They're just trying to trying to catch the leftovers. And maybe with uh, Arctic Dog streaming in number ten, you know it starts there. Maybe next week it'll be number eight. Just uh, slowly move up the Netflix leaderboard. Whisper of a dream. Also, I do I do want to uh, just go back to John Henry a little bit. The poster that Netflix has for it in the top ten looks like a like a direct to Redbox movie. Um, like it's just a very like clearly photoshopped kind of over the top style that looks like something you'd find for a dollar <laughs> in a vending machine. Oh goodness. Yeah, no, you're right. It does. It does. Uh, might have to watch it, see how uh, great it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm not really planning on it, but uh, <laughs> you want to, you want to take that um, as part of your week this week, then I'll, I'll be here to support. Thank you. I'll let you know how it is. Um, but other than that, we also had um, just one newer release this week as well, um, and that was How to Build a Girl, which is a Beanie Feldstein movie um, that was uh, released through IFC. Um, it also had kind of made some film festival rounds at TIFF um, in September last year, and I've heard not necessarily mixed reactions about it, but nothing that's just tremendously positive, but certainly nothing that is kind of loathing it. Yeah, I, I don't know too much about this film other than the, that that Beanie Feldstein was great in it. Um, there's there's a huge disparity between audience reaction and critical reaction to this movie, so I always find that interesting, and that's not something that turns me off by any means. I think that make, makes a movie actually more interesting to me uh, when, when, when there is that disparity, but um, I... I wonder what what it is about the film but i know that i've heard great things about uh beanie Feldstein's performance so i'd, I'd be uh down to watch this at some point and and she's she's really a great actress and i i'm excited to see her career blossom it's still only like a year since i found out that she's a uh, jonah hill sister like that's that <laughs> when book smart came out i think that's when i uh figured out and i think that's when a lot of people figured out um <laughs> but it's it's still a still a weird weird thing that i haven't come to terms with <laughs> see I think you're forgetting with the critical score being so different from the audience score is that critics are paying, paying off or the, the movie studios are paying off critics. And that's what you're forgetting. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, that we learned that that was a, uh, we learned that that was a real thing when um, there was a lot uh, to do with uh, the, the DCEU and the fact that justice league was, was so low because uh, they were being paid off by Disney um, to, to rate the film low. I think that's when the conspiracy uh, began. <laughs> and I think it's, it just like comes to the, down to the fact that all the, all the Snyder bros kind of created that, that idea um, because that was when like Thor Ragnarok. And honestly, I think that was probably like the MCU's most consistent year in 2017. Cause you had guardians three, which, you know, wasn't um, as good as the first one, but was still pretty solid in my opinion. Um, and critics seem to think so. And then you had uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, which nobody really had 
real expectations for before then because of how the amazing spider-man 2 had ended um and then you had thor ragnarok which based on how the first two thor films went everybody like really didn't expect much from that movie and like disney was just killing it with marvel and then justice league came out and just destroyed the last brain cells i had in my body but <laughs> yeah disney disney pays off critics except when they don't i think the last jedi was another big push in that with a all the all the fringe people on the internet that were really going after it were upset because it had such a good Rotten Tomatoes score. Yeah, no, it's 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 absurd that people do think that that happens. Um, but uh, you know, it's clear that it's happening here with uh, How to Build a Girl. <laughs> it's it's very clear. Um, you know, I'm I'm tired of these critics um, just being paid off. It makes <laughs> me wish that we could get paid off. We'll have to talk to Nick about that. Yeah, I think that's something we have to take up with the boss. Um, but that's pretty much all the new stuff going on. But fortunately, uh, streaming and physical media do exist. So even though there aren't any new movies in theaters right now, um, there's still stuff to watch. So I know for me, um, I spent most of this week watching the Mission Impossible movies. And that was was very disappointing at times. Um, but for the most part, it was pretty thrilling and just like a great way to unwind at the end of the day. Just watching Tom Cruise run and like almost kill himself and <laughs> flip flip out of buildings and fly helicopters upside down. It was just it was a very a very nice way to de stress, honestly. Yeah, Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, the sixth one. I know that you you are just an absolute fan of it. You love it, and me as well. I I love that film. Um, it, it was such a surprise for me because I I enjoyed uh, Ghost Protocol and uh, Rogue Nation, the fourth and fifth films. Um, but I, I wasn't too familiar with the first three. I remember seeing the second one when I was young, uh, but I was never really a huge fan of the franchise. I, I liked the movies, but I didn't really think about them too much. But then when Fallout came out, it, it blew my mind. I mean, it's a, it's a gorgeous movie, really well done, um, incredibly uh, entertaining, but, but really I think it's, it, it should be held up there, uh, as one of the better action movies of all time. And, uh, it's it's a great time. I remember, I think I saw it twice in theaters when it first came out. IMAX the first time, and that was just a fantastic uh, experience. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where, like, the first one I've seen quite a few times. Um, I, like, I remember watching it growing up, and then, like, I mean, the uh, especially, you know, as a fan of Shrek 2, um, you see, like, a lot of the imagery from the first one that was really replicated a lot in, like, the 2000s, like, with the repelling scene and you know, like in Shrek 2, that's what they do when they uh, come in to break Shrek a donkey and puss out of the jail. And uh, so, like, I was pretty familiar with the iconography of it. And then, like, I've been watching, I've seen four or five and six in theaters, and I had, like, vague memories of three. But the second one, I know I've never seen it all. Um, like, I, I didn't really know anything about it other than that there was a second one and that Tandy Newton was in it. And man was i let down like i didn't really have expectations going into it and it was just really bad like it was <laughs> it was really really like hypersexual for a mission impossible movie like tom like ethan hunt is just horny in that movie and that's just like his thing and there's a lot of like very classic uh john woo slow motion backflips that don't really fit with the context of like any of the action or the plot from the from any of the other movies but they're just there, and there's like a lot of really obvious shots of characters just staring right down the barrel of the camera. It really pulls you out of everything that's going on, and it was just 
such a bizarre movie. I felt like maybe I was watching Angling's Hulk or something because it was just so out there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's as I said, that's the only one I've seen of the first three, uh, and I don't remember it at all, really. Um, but yeah, that's that's it's kind of a rough rough experience. But it, it's a funny franchise that um, has has gotten better. You know, I mean, the first one is, is better than the second one, yes, but then the third one made good improvements over the second and then since then they've just kind of uh, excelled and and really taken off with the last few um and i'm I'm excited to see what happens with seven and eight i know they got pushed back a year with a coronavirus but there is a going to be a back-to-back production on those and i wonder if it'll be uh tom cruise's tom cruise's uh, goodbye to the franchise yeah i think it's interesting because when they made the so the first one came out in 96 and it took him quite a while to get the second one off the ground. Um, there were just a ton of production issues, which is why, uh, weirdly, we got Hugh Jackman as Wolverine because the original actor was held up filming Mission Impossible 2. Uh, so I guess some good did come out of it. And then, you know, there was a six-year gap in between two and three. And, um, you know, that was just kind of a long time and kind of the fire for the franchise had died down. And then when the fourth one came out, it was meant to be the send off to Tom Cruise and really to hand the franchise over to Jeremy Renner, which I mean, it was just received well enough. It actually had the lowest opening weekend of the franchise and then went on to be, I believe the highest grossing out of all four of them in the end, just because word of mouth was so good. And so obviously like Tom Cruise is stuck around and now we've gotten two more that have already come out and two more that are on the way um, since then. But I think it's, especially because they're filming and releasing back-to-back. I think that's pretty indicative of some sort of finality to it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. And another little bit of movie news we should talk about um, that, that kind of came out this week was that Tom Cruise might be filming in space. Um, you probably heard of that. Uh, Elon Musk and his, uh, I think it's, uh, what is it, SpaceX or something like that, his, his program um reached out to tom cruise and they want to get a movie shot in space yeah i'm really curious how that's gonna (laughs) gonna work out um and what the limitations will be um just because you know or is it going to be something that's like filmed on a space station and then you have in space sequences or it's supposed to be like everything is is filmed 100 percent in space in space like what what is this going to look like um is it going to be more stunt focused is it just going to be more on look we can film stuff in space like what's going on here yeah and even if the movie i mean even if it happens who knows if it'll happen i think it's at this point it's an idea but uh who knows i mean elon musk can deliver the money and tom cruise can definitely uh i mean he's gonna have to train to to become an astronaut right or something like that (laughs) um but but he's 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 already i think said he's been willing to do that um i think that if if that was to happen if we were to have a world where um people are going to the movies say say obviously coronavirus is down 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 by now uh it's years in the future and now we got this first movie shot entirely in space about to come out or something like that starring Tom Cruise. I, I think no matter what the quality of the movie, I feel like that would be a, a pretty hot ticket. And I think a lot of people would go to see it just based off intrigue alone. Yeah, I think so. I think it, it'd be kind of like Avatar, you know, where it's just there's so much curiosity as to like how did they pull this off and and even kind of going back to mission impossible like that was the big draw with the fourth one 
because he was hanging on the side of the Burj Khalifa. This was like right after it had been finished. So it was already a big deal because it was the tallest building in the world. And and then here's Tom Cruise dancing on a wire, like running around it. And I think like a lot of Tom Cruise's movies really last because of that. Like even with, you know, the with Rogue Nation, it was Tom Cruise was hanging on the side of a plane. So we've got to go see that. Or with the helicopters where he became a helicopter pilot and trained for months and then did most of his fight scenes with a broken ankle. Um, and just if you put Tom Cruise in an extreme situation, I think we've proven that audiences will flock to it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it'll be interesting for sure. Um, but that, yeah, I think just based off uh, movie news, I think that's probably good. But for me, what I've been watching uh, this past week was actually the original star Wars trilogy. It's, it's a trilogy that I haven't watched in a while. I've always loved it. Um, uh, but I, I rewatched it over the past few days, and it's still just as good. Um, I, I don't know, though. I think we we talked about this after I watched them. But for me, the original in 77 and Empire are essentially tied. I really love both of them. I think Empire is definitely stronger thematically. And I think that it's it's more realized and there's more iconic moments in it. But for me, A New Hope really uh, stands up to it just because of um, it being the, the first in the franchise tries and just just the magic of it and i think i could watch that movie uh, all the time i think it's just such a such an enjoyable and watchable and uh, fun movie yeah and i think it's the same for me because i i watched them all a few weeks ago now and i think the older i get the more i see kind of the flaws in the fourth one but there's just so much magic to it and i think you know even when the prequels are are bad like you can still see george lucas just he brings magic to the table. And I think there's just so much of it in a new hope that I didn't really care about any of the, the, the story flaws or, you know, ways the effects haven't held up because there's just so much that is going to hold up no matter what. No. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I mean, for me, I didn't really notice the effects too much. I know in empire, there's definitely a lot of uh, moments where you might question visual effects as well. Um, but I feel like they used visual effects much less in A New Hope that it's not quite as noticeable. Sure, it's it's noticeable, but uh, it, it, it's it's not a real bother to me just because of how magical that story is, how special that story is, and how uh, uh, awesome it is to see that cast together for the first time on the big screen. Um, but yeah, that, that that's a fun film. And it, it was a great, great way to... Uh, spent the last week and now this this week i'm going to be watching the prequel so wish me luck um it's been years but uh yeah that that's kind of what i've been watching also last night i watched uh, la la land uh, what what a fantastic movie still i mean uh, a, a gorgeous film um and and yeah all day I've, I've been listening to the soundtrack today so yeah la la land is uh it's a movie i think about a lot and i think like that's just damien chazelle in general for me um, but yeah, like La La Land, especially because it has the music and I'll just get, you know, I'll just get, you know, another day of sun or something stuck in my head. And then I've got to listen to the whole soundtrack and really get that whole experience all over again. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I like Whiplash more, but they're both really uh, two fantastic films. And even First Man is a movie that I, I think about often more for the score. I think uh, the score in that film is absolutely phenomenal robbed of a, a best score at the Oscars uh, two years ago um, not even nominated and it's weird because it won essentially every other award show it won I think the Critics Choice the Golden Globes the BAFTAs and then it just didn't even get nominated at the Oscars for best score um, 
I, I forget if it was disqualified or something. I don't know what happened, but it, it definitely deserved a nomination. Uh, fantastic score. And, and Ryan Gosling's great in First Man as well, but really it's the score that brings me back to that movie. But uh, Whiplash and La La Land are two two uh, modern modern day classics that Damien Chazelle has crafted. Yeah, Whiplash is something that's always hanging around my my top five movies of all time ever since I saw it you know, five or six years ago, however long that was. Um, I just, I'll just sit there and, and think about uh, JJ, or JJ Abrams, JK Simmons, uh, just yelling because his lines and insults are iconic. Um, just like on the same level as Arlie Army from Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is definitely a, a, a modern day classic. I mean, it's just such a, such a neat and unique film and especially in whiplash just those last uh, five to ten minutes are just you, you can't take your eyes off the screen like your your heart's in it you're everything i mean it's he, he's a special director and for him to be as young as he is and having made uh such great movies up to this point just just a few just a handful of movies he's made but um they're all really phenomenal so i'm just so excited to see what he has next i know he's got the uh, emma stone brad pitt um uh, Babylon film that's supposed to come out in a couple years, uh, but he, he's going to have a wonderful career. Oh, yeah, and I mean he's just getting started. He's only 35, um, but he's already just done so much. I mean he he helped write 10 Cloverfield Lane, uh, which I don't think a lot of people know, but it's just it's just kind of a cool thing. Um, and I really It's the only Cloverfield movie that I like really heavily gravitate towards. Um and then yeah, Whiplash and La La Land, and I think, I think Whiplash has has gotten a little more relevant um, the the longer it's been, just because La La Land really introduced him to kind of the mainstream and and helped Whiplash meet a broader audience. Um, and it's nice to see him just making such phenomenal stuff and and just continuing to make stuff. Yeah, that's a really neat tidbit too that he. Uh helped write on 10 Cloverfield Lane. I think I'm, I, I really like the original Cloverfield movie. I think in terms of found footage movies, it's, it's up there with being uh, the best. I mean, most of them are pretty bad, but it's, I think it's one of the good ones. Um, and, and, but 10 Cloverfield Lane, oh my God, that's a, that's a really, really good movie. A movie that absolutely like took me off guard when I went to see it. I mean, John Goodman, that's, that's all you need to know about that movie. But uh, Damien Chazelle is, is, I think he's a talent for sure. And the fact that he did help write on that film, I think that shows that he, he has some range that we are going to see over the next few decades. Yeah. And he, you know, obviously he wanted to kind of focus on similar themes with La La Land and Whiplash. And he's, he's talked about how his first three movies film a trilogy kind of in the way that, you know, you look at um, very different movies, but the Cornetto trilogy where a lot of the themes and ideas are kind of the same, but obviously you're making different movies. Um, and so I'm interested to see just kind of what his next phase looks like. Yeah, no, that, that, that'll be awesome. And I know, um, La La Land was a PG 13 film as well as first man. I, I, if I remember correctly, I think Babylon is going to be R rated. Um, so I think that'll be interesting to look into. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And then I'm I'm at a point where I'm not really sure what I plan on watching this week, which is kind of nice to to not have a plan and just kind of put on whatever tickles my fancy. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, me me as well. I mean, I got the prequels, but that's I mean, I, I'm pacing like three movies a day right now. So I mean, I got two more in in 
the days that I watch them. And it'll, it'll just be nice to explore movies that I uh, loved when I was younger uh, or definitely 100% movies that I've never seen. Um, but I, I got to make sure I don't watch too much uh, or too many great films because I got to I got to delve into the Netflix originals every once in a while, too. <laughs> <laughs> got to keep the bell curve pretty spread out. Exactly. Yeah, I, I've been trying to keep a little bit of a more more of a balance between classics and modern stuff and so i went uh i went pretty modern with mission impossible so i might take it back a little bit further this coming week yeah i know that that'd be that'd be a good idea and i'm excited too because i i think uh we spoke about this before we got on but there are finally going to be some uh new releases hitting uh vod uh, we know capone uh the tom hardy uh, uh film is coming out we know scoob is is going to be coming out uh on demand and then um the uh pete davidson film i i keep losing the name of it but it's going to be coming on hulu that film uh so so we are going to have a busy week in terms of newer movies next week and that'll be interesting for sure yeah i, I think it'll be interesting and i i'm kind of excited for scoob uh to be honest i loved uh, james gunn's scooby-doo movies as a kid um and I'm interested to see how they're because they're, they're definitely playing at some kind of Hanna Barbera cinematic universe with um, some of the Rocky and Bullwinkle characters. I mean, Dick Dastardly is kind of the main villain in in Scoop from what we've seen so far. Um, so I'm curious to see how they tie everything together and whether this is a good Scooby Doo movie or just kind of a mess from trying to make it multiple cartoons into one movie. Yeah, no, this is uh, Scooby-Doo has always been great, um, but I'm excited to see this for sure. I just hope that it's not uh, too juvenile. You know, I want it to be something that the whole family can enjoy. I, I don't know uh, too much about it besides from the trailers. Um, I don't know if I'm reaching there, if it, if, if it has the potential to be too juvenile. Um, but uh, I really do hope it's it's a good time. So that that's the one I'm I'm definitely excited for, and I'm I'm hyped to see Tom Hardy in Capone. It's always great to see Tom Hardy uh, kind of go crazy. He he's a fantastic actor, and it's great to see him get another uh, vehicle. Yeah. So we'll be back next week talking uh, more about it. Maybe talking about Scoob. Um, I've been I've been eyeing the Rocky movies for a while, so maybe I'll jump into that. But uh, we'll be back talking about movies to some degree. And remember, you can check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.